There we go. Good afternoon to you. It is Saturday, September 23rd at 1.30 p.m. Uh, your Boilermakers have just, well, last night, dropped their third game of the season. They are now 1-3 uh, in the 2023 campaign after losing yet again to Wisconsin. Wisconsin dominated pretty much the entire game. Uh, Purdue loses 38-17. to not much of that is uh, too surprising to many Purdue fans. I really thought Purdue could um, at least fight and compete, uh, if not find a way to, to win at home. Uh, it's got to happen eventually. If you, if you look at uh, just the way trends and cycles work in sports, eventually you break out of these cycles, but it doesn't seem like a... Um, after watching the last night's game, it surely doesn't feel like there is a there's an end in, in near sight as Wisconsin dominates yet again and Purdue does what Purdue does versus Wisconsin. Um, uh, it was tough medicine. I'm going to talk a little bit about it first. Let me thank the, uh, the two sponsors we've got. First, uh, Home Field Apparel. I'm wearing one of their branded sweatshirts right here. Head over to Home Field Apparel um, and on your first purchase when you enter boiled 23 get 15 percent off pretty good deal if you're a big home field fan if you're a <clears throat> somebody who follows them on twitter uh you might know that they're going to be making a little bit of a barnstorming tour they're going to a couple uh of their licensed schools around america check their uh twitter feed for details of where they're going to be next um, they also have a couple new releases idaho and uh, i think idaho state but some uh, interesting stuff, like I said, if you're just a college football junkie or a college basketball and football fan, they've got stuff outside the Purdue realm that you might like, as well as, of course, the good Purdue gear. And, of course, uh, when you're on campus next week, Purdue gets uh, yet another home game, three straight before heading on the road. Uh, they, they welcome Illinois for homecoming, 3.30 kickoff. But before you go over there, maybe you'll go over to AJ's on Vine. Uh, love the people there. Uh, talked to Adam this weekend. We we uh, didn't get to connect. We talked about tailgating together, and uh, it didn't it didn't work out. But I can tell you, uh, you will not be upset if you head over to AJ's. Great food, good people, good staff. Bunch of TVs to watch the games. Uh, pints on draft. You, you can't go wrong. Eataj's.com before you go over there and order ahead if you'd like. But um, let's talk about the game. I was disappointed with the game. Of course, I was. Uh, Really angry and frustrated at different times for different reasons. But the start of the game set a tone that was, um, to me, almost unfathomable because um, it seemed like the Purdue coaches understood um, the history and the players definitely understood it and everybody said the right things. And they came out, Purdue came out of that, uh, the, out of the tunnel in the beginning of the game, just pancake flat, um, tons of mistakes, um, poor defensive formations. They allowed Wisconsin convert on eight of their first nine third downs. Um, and this is a, a recurring issue now. We've seen it in three games, the, the three losses. The other teams just keep Purdue's defense on the field. You, when you need 12 or 13 yards, you're going to get 15, or in Wisconsin's case, 60 yards. Um, they, uh, they had their way with Purdue. And... Uh, Second half felt better. Purdue still lost the second half by three points, in case you were counting at home. Um, but Purdue at least competed in that half, but they had dug themselves such a hole that uh, the level of competition and the they did make some changes that were good. They did 
um, uh, tweak a few things and, um, and it worked, but they were so inept in the first half and looked so flat in so many different ways. Um, just tough, tough to see it happen time and time and time again. It, um, I watched or listened to a couple uh, Wisconsin uh, pundits talk, pundits talk about the problems that Wisconsin had, and one of them was if you can get a pass rush on Mordecai, he struggles. Well, that wasn't a problem because Purdue didn't get a pass rush on him. And then when they were they smartly, uh, Fickle and company smartly took advantage of Purdue's inability to contain a quarterback out uh, in space. Just like Schrader, when he got outside the tackles, especially in the first half, there was nobody there. There was nobody near him. Uh, Mordecai absolutely feasted uh, running the ball in the first half. He was, I think he completed 63% of his passes. As Hudson Card con, uh, completed 55%. Card finished with like 202 yards passing. Had two interceptions. Um, and one of them was, if I'm remembering correctly, absolute ridiculousness it was a Wisconsin defensive back pretty much shoved the or pulled the Purdue uh, wide receiver down uh, to end the first half and then grab the ball out of the air pretty simple play but um, the same so let's look at this again I'm going to say you can do one thing or another I'm not saying that the officials are the reason Purdue lost they're not Purdue lost that game because they spotted Wisconsin a, a, a sprinting head start Wisconsin was dialed in from the get-go. Purdue was not. Wisconsin looked like traditional Wisconsin. They um, they ran option. The quarterback had incredible success. Both of their first and second string, uh, string running backs looks very solid in the first half. In the second half, of course, Braylon Allen was was just an absolute beast when they needed him to be. I think one of his big runs. I think he broke up a broke off a sixty-five yard run. I think he ended the game with like a hundred, I want to say 130 yards rushing. Um, I'll look at that real quickly just to be be sure. 116 yards rushing, but he had 7.3 yards of carry. Um, 52 yards was his longest one. It just felt like forever. Um, Purdue got their penalties under control a little bit. They only had seven penalties, while Wisconsin had 11, I believe. Um, but... Turnovers are a major problem for Purdue officially. Two interceptions and a fumble loss. The fumble loss, though, I think Maccabi gets the credit because he didn't go to the the whistle um, for losing the fumble. But that that's another busted call by the officials. Um, Hudson's arm came forward. The ball came out as his arm was moving forward. It kind of fluttered in the air. It was a forward pass. Maccabi knocked it to the ground, just kind of stood there. The Wisconsin player picked it up and... I think Maccabi got credit for the fumble because he was he was the last guy to touch it or grab it. Um, it was a horrible call. Uh, the two missed pass interferences, um, they're awful. Uh, Big Ten officials remain awful. They also didn't give Deion Burks a touchdown when his foot was inbounds, according to the replay. That's the thing that really gets me about officiating. Poor officiating is poor officiating. It happens. Big Ten officials uh, clearly don't have anyone to train them. They don't. They're not good at their job. But when you get the chance to review a call, especially when it's in a central location, like I think the Big Ten does it out of New York or something like that, uh, much like the NFL's model, and a guy has his foot come down in bounds and he catches the ball, that's a touchdown. But Purdue didn't get the credit for the touchdown, and they wouldn't have won if they got the credit for the touchdown. But uh, they still 
remain completely inept versus Wisconsin. Uh, 17 straight losses to Wisconsin now. 17 straight, 21 years of losing to the same program over and over and over in the same manner. Um, Let's see. uh, Something that was real positive. Burks got a little more involved in the offense again. He had 73 yards receiving on six receptions. That's great. Uh, Yassine had a solid day again. Four yards or four receptions for 62 yards. Awesome. Sheffield got a little bit involved. He had three for 39 yards. Um, Deion Burks would have had uh, another, what, 25, 30 yards receiving if a couple of the catches that he made, uh, he would have been given credit for them. Um, so Hudson Card, 202 yards, Purdue, 17 points. You can, you can say what you want about Purdue football right now, but based on what we've seen and actually drawing your conclusions based on play, here's what you have to say. The offense is decidedly mediocre. In this era of college football, when you're averaging 20 or, le- or fewer points on offense, it's not a good place to be because other teams can light the scoreboard up uh, the way the rules are, are made in college football right now. It's, it's, it favors the offense. Purdue's offense is not good. So that's, that's let's say, that's one thing. It's one glaring problem. <clears throat> the play calling remains, to me, uh, uninventive. Um, milk toast, whatever you want to say. Um, they, they've, they've got a mediocre offense right now, as it stands. But one of the biggest problems is the offensive line, and that was one of the things that was killing them over and over in the first half. Specifically, you had uh, too many holds early, and they were by veteran guys. Hartwig, who returned to the lineup, which was excellent to see. He's going to be a little rusty since he hasn't played very much. Hartwig had a hold, and so did Kalkenbrenner, um, which both... They were costly, and I, from what I could see, I, granted, I haven't watched a replay yet on TV. I was in the stadium. Um, they looked legit to me, especially Kalkenbrenner's. He just grabbed the guy out. He was on the ground and pulled him. Um, so that's legit, and those are two of Purdue's leaders. I, th- I, I believe, I know Hartwig's a captain, but when you have the veterans making mistakes like that, it really hurts. It sets a tone, um, and uh, part of the reason that they're holding, though, is because Purdue's offensive line is just so overmatched. Wisconsin, year after year, produces big, strong guys in the trenches, but their their defensive line and offensive line absolutely manhandled Purdue on both sides of the ball. Like I said, Purdue's pass rush was nowhere to be found because of Wisconsin's um, uh, front. Their offensive line was great. Um, they had a guy on the defensive side, number 14, can't remember his name right now. Um, but if you watch him, if you watch him on film, you want to see a guy who just is declaring war on every down when he is blitzing. Like the way he is hand-to-hand fighting, the way he's chopping at the offensive line is trying to, to engage him. He is just chopping down on the arms, swimming up, and, and he is moving forward every time. Um, it made it hard on Mabo um, uh, um, all day long. Uh, it was very, very, very tough on him. <clears throat> And the offensive line, just like I said, they struggled. So if I were going to look at the big problems on the day, nothing new here. Offensive line play is a problem. Um, Hartwig needs – we need him to get back to 100% quickly. Play calling, like I said, remains questionable at best. Uh, but the offensive line play, I think, may be the biggest problems. And Purdue's got to go away from – situations that put Purdue in a place where the offensive line has to hold their blocks for a lot of times. 
Card's pocket collapsed almost immediately on almost every play. He just, he, you try to step up and you can't step up because even the middle is collapsing. He kept some plays alive. I think if you have a different quarterback, I think Purdue is even in worse shape on this day. Um, he, he recognized things as quickly as he could. He didn't seem to make snap judgments or flippant decisions. Um, but, uh, Card, I think, finished with, let's say he finishes with 54 yards rushing, 202 yards passing, and the offense still can't get into rhythm. In the second half, though, they looked like a different unit. That was, that was nice to see Purdue having a pulse versus a good team. But like I said, you just can't, can't spot a team uh, an entire half. A quote after the game that I thought was interesting, and it's now becoming a theme to me, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but it was uh, – uh, by Coach Walter saying, we're playing the style of football we want to in practice, but we're not in the games. And he said that, I think last week, that at times we look like the team we want to look like on the field, but we can't seem to put together an entire game. And then he said, which was even more damning, was we were too passive. We were not aggressive enough. And so <clears throat> teams start reflecting their coach's personality pretty quickly, right? Because the way, and one thing, the way those coaches act, um, Coach Walters is a laid-back guy. It's good to some point. If you have a bunch of guys that are killers, it's really good to have guys that can ride that, um, uh, ride the, the waves of emotion more evenly. But if you're not in the position to win, it doesn't matter if you're a cool team, a collected team. Um, compare and contrast to what Prue had last year, like some friends of mine have noticed, Jeff Brom and... Uh, Ryan Walters are almost just polar extremes. They're just opposite guys. They are very different. One thing Brom was very good at it was harnessing emotion, using that emotion. On the side on the sideline, he always looked like he was on the edge of being out of control. And the team played that way as well. Purdue does not play that way anymore. Purdue does not have that emotional edge about them. Um, and a team that is undermanned like Purdue, a team that is not deep like Purdue. You need to have an edge. You need to have the ability to come out of the tunnel like you were fired out of a cannon, especially against good teams, and they will jump or they will jump all over you, which we saw yesterday. The bigger thing that I'm seeing that bothers me more than anything right now is that that quote about saying um, we're playing the style of football we want in practice, and we don't look the part in games. I've heard that theme a couple times with him during uh, different press events, whether it's during the week or after a game, and I'm bothered because I think. At this point, he's not quite sure how to fix it or get those two things to be equitable. I think it's pretty simple um, from, the, from a neutral standpoint to say, the reason you look better in practice is because you're practicing against yourself. And right now, what Purdue is, right now as they stand, with the personnel at hand, they're just a mediocre team. They're a mediocre football team. Um, mediocre to bad, right? Um, and the scheme, to me, doesn't match the personnel, specifically on defense. I do think Walter's defense wasn't like a fluke at Illinois. I think they'll get better. Um, I would love for them to get better in a hurry, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen just because personnel is personnel. There are a lot of guys on this field maybe playing out of position or who aren't um, the best athletes, the most talented guys on the field, and um, they're doing everything they can so you have to alter the system or just take your medicine. Those are the two choices. So is the medicine is going to be you're going to lose a bunch of games. Maybe now you only win 
I, I think you have to drop your prediction. If, if you're like me and you thought Purdue was a, a five or six win team, now you have to say based on what you're seeing and the games they've won, the games they've dropped, it looks like a three-win team, maybe a four-win ceiling right now. In the process of becoming a three- or four-win team, there are going to be a lot of fans that are going to become weary. And um, it, sh- it shouldn't be a microwave um, type of idea that this team should be able to click and be great one in one season. Um, but the problem we have as Purdue fans, and I'll talk a little bit, I'll expand upon this on the, in the handsome hour on Monday at 9 p.m., tune in, um, is uh, as Purdue fans, we don't really know much about t- quarterback or coaches that have come in and it took taken a year to figure things out and then gotten better. The good coaches, the coaches that have done well, have been good hires during my lifetime. Um, really, when you look at them, are Jeff Brom and um, and Joe Tiller. Both those guys had success right away. A couple things those two coaches had that Ryan Walters didn't have. Um, one of the biggest one was a favorable schedule. Both those coaches had a good schedule the first year and a couple tune-up, tune-up games to figure it out. Uh, I think Tiller had one tune-up game, but it was truly uh, a tune-up game that he lost. Uh, they lost to Toledo, and then they beat Notre Dame. So right away, Tiller had... Uh, taken these uh, Coletto players who were NFL-type bodies. That's the thing. Purdue was big then. They just uh, they didn't have a good system they were playing, especially on offense. They didn't have a dynamic offense until it right away installed that, made Purdue better. On the other hand, Brom had some guys. He had some speed on the, on the uh, roster, but probably didn't have a very complete roster, and Purdue right away installed a couple guys that were um, fifth-year senior transfers, and they had a good schedule to – kind of learn a little bit. This schedule, make no bones about it, has been rough to start with. It's a tough place to start for Ryan Walters. Um, and I think it would behoove everybody. If you're like me, this is your favorite thing to do, watching Purdue football. Uh, Purdue basketball is a close second. Um, but it doesn't make any sense to me to bail on it because he's not going anywhere, obviously. So saying you're the first one to predict that this is going to be a bad era of coaching. What do you, I just don't get it. But that's that's okay. I'm an old man, and um, uh, young people, I guess, don't have as much time to be patient. Um, but I just don't. I just don't get the philosophy of, of bailing on the team right now. Um, I don't get the idea of saying, "Yeah, he sucks," and that's it. I don't agree with it either. Uh, I just think he's got some. He's got a lot to learn, and he needs to learn it. Um, I do think he's listening and trying to figure out and watching film and saying, okay, we've got discrepancies. We need to get better, but I don't know if he can figure it out just yet. Um, let's see if there's anything else I had here. Um, not really. Um, that, that, that The third down, though, it's damning. Um, Wisconsin went 12 of 18 on third down. 12 of 18, but they started 8 of 9, uh, and that's that hole that they dug, uh, Purdue dug for themselves, but could not get off the field, and that, that sucks. All right, uh, thanks to those who are tuning in live and those as well who are uh, listening or watching on delay. Really appreciate you guys. Saw a bunch of you guys in the stadium. Really fun. Saw a couple people in the tailgate. That was a really good, just a great afternoon. Uh, beautiful uh, weather in God's country. Met a guy named Q. He said he'd like to be mentioned on one of the one of the shows. So Q, give Q a shout out. I think he was with his two daughters. 
that was pretty great. Uh, of course, got to see our pal Handel, got to see Greg McManus, got to see, um, uh, I'm missing one, uh, Chris Harder, of course, Chris Harder and his buddies. Oh, 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 I mean, just great. Uh, I mean, the Purdue community is awesome. The Boiled Sports community, you guys, uh, it's so much fun to, um, to lament together about uh, the way things are and to hope for, for better things. And um, let's not forget, it wasn't long, long ago at all that Purdue was uh, in the Big Ten Championship game, but it seems like a world ago because so much has changed in the program. Um, over here, who's in live, Midwest Over says, uh, I'm waiting for the basketball season now. Okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to move on just yet, um, but I understand um, – Football's still too fun for me. Like right now, I've got it in quad screen on uh, YouTube TV. Uh, there's a lot of good football here, and if, if my Boilermakers could make themselves a story, it'd be great. Um, if Purdue could figure out a couple things, it'd be awesome. But they got to change some things. The, the offense has to get more dynamic, has to put more pressure on opposing defenses, and um, has to be able to keep the defense off the field or score quickly. It's got to be one or the other, right? If you can say, we're going to put together sustained drives starting from the beginning of the game, so it gives time, the defense time to regroup every time. Or do what the uh, old tiller system did, which is just we're going to get into an arms race with you and dare you to score at a quick pace like we can. I don't think they can do the latter there. I just don't think they've uh, got the system to do it. I don't think Harold's system is designed to do that at all. Purdue, we saw it when Purdue needed chunks of yards. They, they simply couldn't do it. They couldn't get them. So... Um, just my opinion. Ted Berkey, uh, last night hurt. I uh, guess no bowl game this year. Hoping to see growth and fight this year. Yep, I think that's a good way to look at it, Ted. I agree. Um, it's. Uh, I, I think anything can happen. Obviously, there's no uh, Purdue's not re, uh, not removed mathematically from the chance of going to a bowl game, but um, I think leveling that expectation makes sense to me. Uh, John Harrell, my buddy, says, uh, was the first quarter result 100% coaching? Um, not 100% coaching. Well, it depends on what you think, John. Like, is it the um, uh, the way the offensive line played? Do you lay that at the feet of the coaches? I think you can if you want. But the off the holding holdings were a killer. The um, the defensive scheme was atrocious in the first half. It was like they weren't they weren't prepared at all for Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin added a couple wrinkles based on the successes that Syracuse had. They weren't difficult wrinkles. They weren't a huge step out of Wisconsin's um, their air raid. Uh, but yeah, I would I would blame the first half on coaches, um, and I'm going to blame the first half on coaches. I always I tend to lean that way anyway. You guys know that, especially you know John. So. Uh, Chris R. says, uh, hey, Boiler Dowd, are you a Bears fan too? Both their defense just can't get off the field. I feel like third down conversion rate against us is 70% or higher every week. So, Chris, I'm not a, I'm not a Bears fan. I'm a Colts fan. I've, of course, surrounded. I've got, I've got Bears fan friends around me, and a lot, of, a lot of you guys on Twitter, I hear from you guys. It's a weird thing when your Saturdays and Sundays are the same, and, and you probably feel this way. The Colts and Purdue had some parallel similarities for a couple of years, um, some frustrating ones when, when things weren't great. Um, but the Bears, man, I, I empathize with 
you guys, this is it's it's tough, and it's really hard when both products are that way. There's, there's a, a pal of mine named Ray. He sends, sits on the end of our row. Really nice guy, big Bears fan, but I'm sure he feels just as frustrated as you. So it's hard. Um, Midwest Toker says, looks like a JV team against Wisconsin. This is a really good point. Um, my brother put it this way. It looks like a lower Mac team versus, or was it my, my good friend Chris? Um, looks like a lower half of the conference Mac team versus a big 10 team, Wisconsin and Purdue. And I think that's, that's either one. You can say the same thing. Cause they're just getting mauled, right? They're, they're so much, Wisconsin was so much more physical, looked so much more sound. They looked faster. Um, even things like every detail mattered to Wisconsin, right? The, and this is the whole thing about having an experienced coaching staff. We talked about that. Their kicker put the ball. He would drop it in perfectly on the goal line. Every kickoff high kick, Right on the goal line, it took Purdue two or three returns to figure uh, I can call a fair catch and get the ball out at the 25 um, before they, they understood, wow, Wisconsin's coverage is amazing, so uh, we're not going to get anywhere on this. But everything mattered to Wisconsin. There wasn't a detail that looked like they weren't, um, that they hadn't thought of, and Purdue has a lot of details looks like they haven't thought of right now. Um, Ted Berg says, remember when we were down 21-0 in the first quarter last year? Uh, they have our number. Yeah, Ted, they do, clearly. I mean, every Purdue fan knows this. I, I tweeted this out. I said, um, being down 14-0 in the first quarter is, is reminiscent of dark days. And it wasn't just the hazel days I was talking to, although I think many of you, John Harrell and I, he was a student at Purdue <clears throat> at that point. We watched, I think it was Minnesota, Minnesota clean, clean Purdue's clock. We sat together um, and... Um, Purdue was down like 14-0 in every game. And it wasn't just they'd be down 14-0 in the first quarter. Then they wouldn't, there wouldn't be any regrouping. In fact, do you remember those offenses? They couldn't get, they were between the 40s, it seemed like. Hazel offenses could not move the ball. They would stall at the 40. They'd start the drive at the 40. You're awful. Um, and so that's one thing that this is different, is that they came back and they fought. But being down by a big chunk early is obviously reminiscent of some pretty dead th bad things. It's not just the Hazel era. Um, go back to the Acres era. There were some uh, similarities there where that, those teams, um, they were completely undisciplined all the time that, on the field. If, you, if you're as old as me, you remember the Acres era. If you go into, obviously, some of the Hope teams uh, look overmatched, overmanned. Um, I think that actually, that Minnesota game that I'm talking about that I watched with John, that was during the Hope era. I think that's right. I think that's right. He could probably tell me. Um, but, um, and of course, the Hazel era. The Coletto era was a little bit different. They were just sluggish and methodical and not dynamic. Um, but the really bad eras, for me, uh, that's um, Acres, really, and Hazel uh, for different reasons. But the Hazel teams were tough to watch. Tough to watch. Um, Austin Ray says, any, uh, anything to the idea of Walters getting no benefit of the doubt from the officials being a rookie head coach? Not the reason they lost, but seems they can't get a fair shake. Okay, Austin, good point. I want to bring this up. And my brother brought up another point. Okay, so you have, on one hand, you, we can say if we want to, which I don't think this is accurate, okay? But you could say, oh, well, Purdue's not getting any calls because he's a young coach and he's passive. Because a lot of Purdue fans are like, man, he doesn't show any emotion. Okay, now let's go back one year. Let's look at the way Jeff Brom handled officials. Jeff Brom handled officials by chewing on them. Jeff Brom's a coach that at that point had been around a long time, right? Six years at Purdue. It didn't benefit at all Purdue from having Jeff Brom on the sideline and him 
just absolutely berating officials and cursing at them up and down. It didn't help Purdue. It didn't help Jeff Brom. What my point of that is, is Big Ten officials are lousy at their jobs. We know they're lousy at their jobs, not because they just pick on Purdue. They're just not good. Um, and uh, I don't think Purdue's going to get benefit of the doubt from Big Ten officials because Big Ten officials are going to suck. So there you go. Keep the officials out of it as much as you can, which is a pretty hard thing to do, especially as a team's starting to get new identity because the games are going to be closer. This game wasn't close. But games are going to be closer, and you're going to say, okay, one call goes one way or the other way, and it ruins you. Yeah, that's true. So this is kind of like in basketball. When you're dominating, the officials are out of the picture, and it doesn't matter. When you're um, really bad, the officials are out of the picture, and it doesn't matter. You remember the calls, but they're not the reason for the winning or losing. Now, these games aren't close enough for it to matter right now. So um, good, good point. I mean, I understand your point, but I hope you understand mine too. I think Brom would uh, the way Brom acted and the way the, the officials treated Purdue would say that that's not the case. Okay, Ted Berkey says the fumble and the first interception were bad calls by the officials. They should have been P.I. on the other. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Austin uh, Ray says pace, tempo should be our main pillars of the offense moving forward. Not sure you can run a successful air raid with huddling and not keeping defense on their toes. Agreed. They need to play somewhat of a hurry up. Um, and they've shown that they're pretty good when they are in a bit of a hurry up, when they play with uh, pace between plays. I think that needs to be installed. I think, I think that's kind of the only way Purdue can start making a big change this season. You can't replace personnel. Maybe there are some – I've been trying to think of this, guys. I'm with you. Maybe some of the true freshmen that are being kept off the field um, mature a little bit by game four or five or they get used to the pace of college football and you can start plugging some of those guys in to bring depth so you last a little bit longer in games. But this game shows Purdue wasn't worn out. They were playing their best football in the third and fourth quarters. Um, so I think – Offensive uh, uh, dynamic pace would probably be a really good way to change things up. And I think Harrell really has to look at himself in the mirror. I, I will continue to say that. It's not completely his fault, um, some of the things that happen on the field, because obviously Purdue's making so many mistakes. But you've got to deal with the personnel, uh, personnel you've got. And you have two choices. Either I'm going to try to change things to work with the personnel. So maybe, for instance, rolling card out a lot if you're on a passing play rolling them out instead of just having them in a pocket because the pocket is not being sustained um so maybe that's one thing they could do and the other thing is calling the snaps quicker getting up to the line quicker um uh ted Berkey says uh practice versus game reminds me of turbush he was great in practice but he fell off in games yeah and the antithesis of that uh not not a quarterback but there's a guy named brandon jones who played uh running back a long time ago and his nickname was gamer because they said he was horrible in practice but then in games he was awesome he was kind of a uh a lovable purdue fan favorite running back because he didn't look the part because he was kind of a little he wasn't the most chiseled running back uh, during the Tiller era, but he, he was so good at the wheel route. He was so good at um, when they do play action uh, pass, uh, covering, the, you know, covering the lack of ball up, um, and he made big plays. So there are guys that are good in practice. There are guys that are good in game. Obviously, you want a guy that's good in the games. Um, Steve uh, Azano says, didn't, this, didn't think this team was going to be world beaters, but gosh darn it, it sucks to be, this, to be bad again. Hopefully they can build throughout this year. I, I think that's a that's a, a fair 
sentiment, and you're probably not alone in that. I didn't think this team was going to be great. I don't think predicting five or six wins is great, um, but uh, it's uh, that Wisconsin game. Man, that's smelling salts, isn't it? So if any Wisconsin fans are here, congrats. Uh, Wisconsin fans that were in Rossi, they always travel well. They were fine, but I was annoyed by them uh, near me because I just wanted to, wanted to be pissed off on my own and not have to be Mr. Nice Guy as Purdue's putting the nails in their own coffin at the end of the game. Uh, Ted Berkey says, again, uh, would we feel better if we were 3-1 and one but had beaten nobody in the non-conference? I like that we challenge ourselves, but it didn't pay off this year. I think we'd feel better. <laughs> I, I, I always have this thing. I used to have this you know, pitch clock in my mind. You get up to three wins, and you're like, okay, we're halfway to a bowl, right? A, a six-win bowl, like I've been talking about over and over, isn't, isn't a huge accomplishment in this era of football. It might not be even something the players even care about that much. It's good for the program to get the extra weeks of, of practice, get those freshmen um, uh, up to speed for next season. So, yeah, I think we'd feel happier if they were 3-1 and one, just because going to the games is a lot more fun when they win. But, uh, yeah, this, this schedule's tough, so it's not doing them any favors. Uh, Tim Eaton says uh, coaches are lost during the game uh, with adjustments. I don't know what the next part is. Uh, I guess your point is you think that they're, they're not good at making adjustments. I would argue this game they made a lot of adjustments that were very good. Um, the coaches, to me – from the jump looked like they were being out coached by Fickle and company, but they made adjustments clearly because they were, they were so ill-prepared and the system was not there to stop Wisconsin or to move the ball against Wisconsin. So they made some adjustments that were very positive. I don't think you can argue with that statistically or anyway. Um, they just had a horrible start. Um, yeah, John Younger says uh, they played better in the second half. I'm with you, John. You and I are on the same page. John and I are good because I think we don't agree about everything, and, and I, uh, but this one, we're, we're in lockstep. Richard Connor says, feels like uh, they had a decent game plan first few games, had a pretty good second, and had pretty good second adjustments last night. Hopefully coaches, uh, coaches can put it all together. Um, this game plan was awful. <laughs> um, the Fresno State game plan looked pretty good from the jump. Obviously, Virginia Tech is the best game plan they had, but you could argue that is they're just the worst team they played. The sad thing is that when they play teams with a dynamic offense or an experienced quarterback, I keep trying to find the commonalities, but experienced quarterbacks are going to eat Purdue alive. They just are right now because um, they're going to be able to pick their spot. There's not much disguising of what's coming at you by Purdue's front. They're not like doing something and then changing it up at the line right after the snap. I think Purdue is really easy to figure out right now on defense, which is ironic because that's one thing that they say about um, Illinois' defense last year was hard to diagnose what they were doing. Um, but this year, it's very easy for good quarterbacks to understand what they're doing. Um, let's see. Uh, Ancient Astronaut says, boiler up, hoping this isn't it's, – nah, it's, it's not Hazel 2.0. It's not. And the reason I, I, I can just stand firmly on it is they still compete. Hazel teams, just go back, watch one game if you want to be miserable. They, were all, they had a theme. But the fact that offense could never move the ball outside those 40s, and they didn't compete, and they didn't fight. If they got down, they were done. Um, yeah, I don't think that you've got that. I really don't think that's that's. Uh, I don't think that's at all the situation. Um, this is a different thing. This is a lack of experience really showing itself in the whole coaching staff. It's not just 
It's not just the head coach. It's the head coach's guys that he chose. They're just young. They are green. And they are learning on the job. And that makes a lot of Purdue fans mad because you're like, oh, they had all this momentum coming out of a, you know, a Big Ten West championship. Uh, why couldn't you get somebody with some experience? Like, look what Wisconsin did, right? Wisconsin goes and hires the, the best candidate for the for college football job that was available last year. They get fickle, fickle. I'm watching uh, Cincinnati play right now. Um, they get a coach that took his team to the playoff, uh, and Purdue gets a guy who's learning on the job. Now, this is a question is how high is that ceiling for Walters? Let's hope it's really high, but right now we're just seeing the growth. That's tough. Growing is hard. It hurts. Braxton Davis, who, I, uh, good to see you. Um, uh, he said Wisconsin special team was top notch. Attention to detail was superb, and, and he and I saw the same thing. They were, um, they were, they were leagues ahead of Purdue. Oh, one thing that was interesting: Purdue changed kickers, of course. Um, let me see. I gotta find this guy's name because he's he was a he's a young guy. Uh, see if I can find it. I gotta find it. Oh yeah, uh, Macius, 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 Julio Macius, um, and he's a he's an interesting guy. He's a um, I think he's a redshirt freshman or a freshman, but he's like six foot five, six foot six. Uh, he wears uh, Maccabees number forty-five, um, but he was perfect on the day, um, and he looked good. He looked good every time he kicked the ball. Um, so that was a big improvement. There weren't missed uh, the last game. I think you had a missed point after and a missed field goal, and we didn't have that versus Wisconsin. That's awesome. Uh, Michael JB says, "Scary to think uh, we could be we could possibly one and four heading into October." Yeah. Scary to think. Um, Illinois, of course, I think this staff should have reason to be ready um, and be cranked up, fired up, motivated, whatever, to, to really have their squad ready. Purdue will have a full week of, uh, of practice, which is good. I think team, uh, coaches that are young need, need pattern uh, because they're getting used to their systems. I keep saying that. Systems matter. Logistics matter. Um, Illinois does not have a dynamic offense like the uh, the, the teams that really Purdue, all three Purdue losses the those offenses have eaten Purdue up. Um, I don't think Illinois has that type of offense. Probably going to be proven wrong, but I don't, I really don't think they have the type of offense or the type of quarterbacks that we've seen in Mikey Keene, Garrett Schrader, and um, Tanner Mordecai. Those guys have looked like world beaters versus Purdue. So. We'll see what happens in Illinois next week. Um, John Hillary says every time uh, teams get in the rhythm with tempo, suddenly someone's hurt on every play. Yeah, I think uh, – I don't think anybody's acting. I think Purdue's got some – I don't know if you saw this. Another thing, Garrett Miller played a little bit yesterday. Uh, he had a couple downs. He completely either dislocated or – I don't know if he broke his finger. But his finger had a right angle in it. I think it was his middle finger on his right hand. Had, I mean, it was like that. And it, there's a picture on Twitter. I may retweet it just because who doesn't love something that makes you throw up? Um, but Garrett Miller messed up his hand, and uh, he came back in after they they replaced that, put it back in place. And uh, I think he had two balls go through his hands, like literally right through his hands. And I don't know when that happened, when he had a, his finger dislocated, but icky. Um John Younger uh, says the difference in tackling was considerable yesterday. Wisconsin wrapped up damn near every time. We kept dipping their shoulder and bouncing off guys. Yeah, Wisconsin, man, they, they can tackle. And they hit hard. They folded our receivers. Like, they would hit a guy, and it looked like death to me. You know, our speedy little receivers who have been great. That receiving core has been nothing but 
exceptional for me to watch. I love these guys, um, but they got they got hit hard a lot. And Hudson uh, Card has been doing them no favors either. He's kind of leaving them out to dry. Um, and I, that may be the nature of what Purdue runs, but Wisconsin was ready. Um, their DBs are good. Um, Todd Schleister says it's a tough time for this. Uh, or Sch- is it Schlichter or Schleister? Um, tough time is programmed to be in the situation with new teams coming in, recruiting problems, uh, uh, and the recruiting problems this might lead to. I think one thing we see so far is there's no reason to be concerned about recruiting. Um, recruiting looks pretty solid. Uh, I think... Coach Walters and his team are able to relate with recruits pretty well. Purdue looks solid. I think they're 28th in the nation right now, according to verbals, which aren't worth a damn until someone signed. And even I've heard there's a case, I can't remember who it was, USC actually signed a guy and then he transferred before he started. (laughs) He entered the transfer portal after signing before playing. So I guess signing doesn't really even mean that much anymore. But, um, yeah, yeah. Recruiting looks strong, and that's another. By the way, that is another big difference. If you don't know the history of what Daryl Hazel did to Purdue's recruiting pipelines, talk to anybody who's in the know. He burnt a lot of bridges in the state of Indiana where he wouldn't wouldn't come and see guys. He wouldn't talk to the coaches. Coaches were very upset. I have a friend who was on a coaching staff at a pretty major program, a high school program in Indianapolis, and he said Daryl Hazel did no favors for Purdue. Um, when he was coach because he did he was so bad with the relationships which is weird because he seems like such an engage, he seemed like such an engaging guy but that's another difference uh, Walters is really good at engaging uh, coaches and uh, and potential recruits or recruits finally Todd Hillary says wondering if uh, we see someone take Ansel's job next year haven't been impressed no Ansel had uh, I, I looked up his numbers because he, he doesn't look like he's improved much he's he's averaging 30 he had 34 yards a punt yesterday. He's still kicking the ball with a back uh, a backspin rotation, which ro- it bothers me a lot because you're not – I mean, it's almost like he's placing the ball every time he kicks it. Um, I like Ansel. I think he's a great a great uh, personality. I like the – I love Aussies. I generally think those – I mean, the Aussies that I know personally, they're, they got a cowboy mentality. Um, so I like him. I like his accent. But um, – I, he hadn't impressed. So uh, one thing that Macias, I believe he did double duty in high school. He was a uh, punter and a place kicker. So who knows? Maybe he'll do both eventually. But he's got to pick up his game too. Ansel does. I, I think every Purdue player, every Purdue coach right now should look at themselves in the mirror and say, I can get better and I have to get better. So um, but easy for me to say. I'm, I'm 48 years old and chubby. So... Um, but thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks again to our uh, sponsors. Mark Garrity's here. You see that? Um, he says that third quarter was great and really showed what this team is capable of. Yeah, it was real. That's promising. And looked like Ross Aid stayed pretty full for, for much of the second half. But there was, there was some attrition in the stands. Uh, they said it was like 95% full to start the game. I would bet it was closer to 85 to 90 um, for the second half. Um, but, yeah, that was good to see. It was good to see. Purdue fans, I think, and I hope you guys agree, we're not a demanding bunch. We want to see the team compete. We want to see them fight. Uh, want to see them play as well as they're capable of, especially this year. I don't think the expectations are absurdly high. But when you see what we saw in the first half, that's super demoralizing for a fan base. Um, hopefully everybody, all Purdue fans, uh, are dialed in. Um, because I think it's, it's good for the team to have a bunch of people that are screaming you know, and happy 
and ready to be there and back them up. It doesn't clearly doesn't bring wins yet, right? Because the games aren't pivotal yet. That stuff happens. That stuff works when you're barely better or worse than another team. You can put it over the edge, right? Um, the emotional quotient within the within the stadium, but they don't have that ability yet because there's so much catching up to do, especially against a team like Wisconsin. Let's not forget, got to play Michigan, got to play Ohio State. Um, Michigan is stepping on the throat of Rutgers as we speak. They're up 24-7 to after that game being close. Um, I think Ohio State will lose to Notre Dame. I'll probably be wrong about that, but I just think Ohio State, has they're going to grow up too this year, and I think you'll see a team get a lot better as the season goes on. Just their quarterback play leaves something to be desired from everything I've seen. So uh, that's about it. Hope you have a great day. Um, uh, watch some football. Enjoy time with your family. Interesting weekend uh, because you've got all this time if you're a season ticket holder today. So that's pretty cool. So God bless you. Hammer down. I'll talk to you soon. The Boilers are 1-3, and, and welcome Illinois into God's country next week at 3.30. We'll see you.